Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Today, we're going to be talking about something that's probably foremost in a lot of the news, uh, the talking heads on television, the radio, everything else. Are we in a recession? Are we going to a recession? Is the recession going to be a hard landing? Is it going to be a soft landing? How's it going to affect you? How's it affect your investments? All these things are kind of up in the air questions mm-hmm. right now, and everything is based upon, I don't know, you know, all these factors and, and such right now. Right. So well, I think it's good to even back up a little bit and say, what is a recession? What, what is, is a recession? What is definition? a bear market? And they're, they're different and they're related, of course. And you hear about them a lot. So a, a bear market, you know, that, that's talking just about the stock market. When the, from the, the top of the market down, it comes down 20%. They consider that bear market territory. And they take the S&P 500, so the, it takes the general marketplace. The S&P mm-hmm. 500 is the broadest index because uh, by definition, S&P 500 means the 500 largest stocks that are traded on the New York Stock Exchange. So they say when that drops 20%, we've now officially crossed into a bear market. Right. Now there's certain stocks, or certain categories uh, that are off like 40% or more depending upon what the holdings are. But the general market is just crossed over that 20% market. Yep. So what's the recession then? So recession is not related to the market. The, re- the recession is related to GDP, gross domestic product. It's all the stuff that our country creates, all the stuff that our country uh, produces. When, when that output falls off, and it used to be two quarters of shrinking GDP. Right. Shrinking in the economic output, you know, the, the amount of computers, the amount of uh, uh, tables and chairs and things that we produce. When that came down for two consecutive quarters, they called it a depression or a recession. A recession, thank you. But what they've shifted that on is now they're basically saying when the economic indicators and the economic condition comes down showing up in the GDP. So they've, they've just made it a little more fuzzy. But the idea is when our, our production, our output comes down, we're in a recession. And you've got, you've got of course, the political stance uh, that politicians are coming out and economists are voicing their opinions about what the future is going to hold. And I always like Truman's comment. He said, what I want is a, a one-armed economist because they always say on one hand it's this, mm. but then on another hand it's this. <laughs> and so Truman's comment was, so just give me an that. answer so I get a clarity. But the bottom line is the economy is such a large thing and it's got so many different parts to it, the dynamics to it, and I was reading a, um, a pretty in-depth analysis Larry Summers did over the weekend, and he talks about the definition between a soft landing mm. versus a hard landing. And, he, and his, his key indicators are unemployment. So he says a hard landing would be that unemployment could rise up to as much as 10%, but you'd have a quick recovery. And so it's, it would slow down. It's kind of what we experienced back in the early 80s, late 70s, when Paul Volcker increase the interest rates dramatically in the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. Um, now again, he's kind of an outlier, but I have to say, 
that some of his comments, I don't think we're going to get through this without having higher unemployment. Now, yes. at what level, I don't know. Yeah, some pain. And the, the idea of a, a soft landing is the economy has been heating up and heating up and going up, and we're trying to slow it down. That's why right. we're seeing all these inflationary prices going up, because the economy is just going up, and we're you know, moving forward. So in order to slow it down, they want to increase interest rates and pull things down. But that landing you talk about, whether the economy then tanks or just comes down softly and then continues on with rate. Yeah, because nobody wants it to tank. Nobody right. wants it to go down to a hard landing. The consequences are severe. Yeah. Uh, unemployment goes up, and all of a sudden, if we saw 10% unemployment, that would be very severe. That would yeah. be really hard for people. That's right. And, and the hard part is that you know, some people have said that the, the Fed has never made a soft landing. Like they, they've never really accomplished that right. uh, because it's, there's a lot of forces at work. And you know, one thing we, we were just talking about is um, uh, they were trying to pass the Build Back Better Act and put more stimulus into the economy. And, and Joe Manchin stepped in and said, and there's another representative or senator from Arizona, I believe, uh, Democratic side, said no. This, this makes no sense. Right. It just fa- it has more fuel to the fire. And, and you made a comment the other day, like I wonder how many thank you cards they're getting. Probably not enough. Yeah. You know, but but from other senators to say that had they passed the Build Back Better Act and they were pushing more stimulus into the economy, man, we didn't put you in a position where the Fed is trying to slow down the economy and the administration is pumping in more money into the economy and the ability to get a soft landing is already extremely hard. It would be so much harder if, if that were the case. Yeah, I mean, Jerome Powell is speaking um, – to the to before the Congress right now, and his comment is that unemployment is exceedingly strong. Mm. No, his comment was, we can't get un- we can't get employment any better. In mm. fact, it's causing problems within the system. So what you know, if I'm reading between the line, he's kind of saying unemployment can rise a little bit. Yeah. So to know, slow it, down the economy enough that people stop hiring, right? Um, that people who are looking for work are kind of stuck, still looking wage, for wage work. pressure would come down, right? Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, again, whenever you think about these, you always think the winners and losers in the economy, and do we like this? And at the end of the day, it, it's likely hard medicine for a better outcome, you know, six months, six years from now. Yeah, I mean, you always have the tension between the labor and business owners. And labor is kind of taking advantage of their position right now. So you're starting to see unionization. You're starting to see some strikes because uh, they're, they're feeling like they've got the power and they want to have a little better outcome long term for their their constituents, their their members, right. their union, and such. But business is struggling to get the right people, right. as well as to maintain the wages and such, and still provide a service, you know, that is reasonable for the cost and such. Now we're trying to keep inflation down. Yeah, is that? No, that? it's a tough moment across the board. There's a number of people I know that are looking to hire, trying to hire, desperate right. to hire, right, and having a hard time doing it. And not that they're being overly picky, but they're just saying, you know, I'm having to pay people good wages, which most people I know that are business owners are fine with that, but they want to find the right people, and they're and struggling. The, and the two key factors that we look at for inflation right now is is energy. It's oil, hmm. price of energy, and then real estate. Real estate, they seem to be sticky, and it's it's causing rents to go up because real estate prices are going up. Now, it's not universal across the entire country. But clearly, in our backyard, we see it. I mean, the cost of renting an apartment right oh, now is yeah. is is hard. Yeah, we're only in the Inland Empire, Southern California, and uh, rents are just increasing. We're having net migration into our area, even though it's a number of people you know moving uh, out of California, to Tennessee, moving to Texas, moving to these other states. Our local region, we're having people from Orange County and LA and San Diego County coming into our area, and uh, it's making making it difficult in that we don't have enough housing for folks, and so. 
rents are going up, fuel is going up, people are driving further than they have in the past. And I, and I just heard earlier this week that mortgage applications, of course, last week fell off when the interest rates jumped up and mortgage rates went up from like three to six within a relatively short period of time. But now what's happening is mortgage applications are back in, mm. but they're using adjustable mortgages. Mm. In other words, people are going into that five year because they're concerned that price of homes will continue to rise and they're going to be out. Yep. So they're trying to get they're trying to get themselves leveraged in as best as they possibly can. So they're using an adjustable rate mortgage. Right. That but, that could be problematic. Down right. The road. Right. It might be a good strategy to get in. It could right. also be if rates adjust upward, it could be really tough. One of the other items about a recession that I think is interesting to talk about is a recession is not you know just the economics and the numbers and the math and someone declares recession. It's it's also part of a psychological aspect is when we think there's a recession, right. we start acting like it. And we, being Americans, consumers, as well as business leaders and CEOs, they stop hiring and they stop producing as much and they put some plans on hold. So there's a, a study of different CEOs and, and 60% of them expect there to be a recession coming soon. And of that, in their region, is all over the world, so people all in different countries, and 50% feel like they're already in there. So together, you've got 75% of CEOs around the world feel that either one is coming or one is already there. And at the moment, just getting a study doesn't mean much, but if they start acting like it, if they open new plants, if they slow down their productions, that will dramatically slow down the economy and send us towards a recession. And what, what causes a recession is consumers, because 70% of our economy is consumption. Mm -hmm. So if consumers just say, I'm going to hold off buying whatever that is, whatever yeah. that big ticket item in particular, say, okay, I'm not going to buy a car this year. I can keep my car for yeah. another year. All of a sudden, that creates a wave through the economy, and enough people do that because what they hear about uh, is that it, it's you shouldn't be spending money right yeah. now. It's it, really costly. Cost. I mean, and people can feel that. I mean, if you think about what you might want to buy, that's a bigger ticket item. Do you feel great, let's do it? Or do you feel, uh, maybe let's wait and see what happens? Cars is a great example. Prices of cars and used cars have gone way up in the midst right. of, of COVID and the other economic conditions we're in, the, ship sh the chip shortages, things of that nature. So with that, I mean, how many people are out buying a car, buying a new car or buying a used car? Or how many people are saying, well, we'll just hold off. And when you know the listeners as well as everyone out there all kind of collectively decide, hey, we're just gonna hold off, that's when you start seeing things coming down. And from an investment standpoint, we made a shift uh, in our portfolios going back to January. We looked in back in December and January, we started shifting to more value-based rather than growth-based. Yeah. And clearly in this last quarter, the stocks that held up the best were large cap dividend-based companies. And these are companies that uh, can pass along inflation to their uh, customers, mm -hmm. like like oil companies, for example, energy companies, but also certain manufacturers and distribution companies, like for example, Home Depot and mm -hmm. grocery stores and things like that. Those companies, but also it's really important you get paid a dividend, mm -hmm. and having that dividend is really important for retirement accounts because it continues to come yeah. in, and um, you know people obviously use that for their part of their retirement. Yeah. But the question is. Can they maintain withdrawal provisions? You know, a lot of people are looking mm. at, if I take too much, I'm really taking out principal from my account, and can I do that, right? Yeah, right, and it's an analysis that I feel is very case by case. You really need to look into each person's accounts and their profiles, but rule of thumb, as a lot of people know, there's a 4% rule right. that they say, usually if you have a 30-year retirement and you have an account, you can take out 4% of that account each year and live off of it, and that account will last you for 30 years. 
assuming you have some investment growth and, and 4% knowing that a lot of years the growth should outpace that, but it won't always. And a lot of articles we've read lately is that people are rethinking that to say, you know, I guess in, in the fact, day, the guy that came up with the 4% rule is rethinking it because yeah. he came up with it, you know, decades ago. Decades ago, yeah. And the idea being not just that 4% is the wrong number because you can pick another number, but it really depends on when you have, they call it the sequence of returns. If right when you retire, you have a couple of really good years, man, you might be able to take out 7% of the rest of your retirement. If you, right when you retire, you have some really tough lean years, uh, your ability to take out 4% every year may be hindered. So we, we, we sit down with our clients and we reevaluate. First of all, budget analysis is, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of the hard hardcore analysis of how people spend their money and we review it and we go over it again to make yeah. sure that our numbers are correct. And I think it's really critically important that we look at, we reevaluate, because sometimes people don't need to take out a fixed dollar amount. Right. They can, we can vary it down, and maybe through times when the market's down a little bit, you're not taking out the principal, you're just taking out the interest that it's earning. Right, right? and a lot of people who retire, they want to do house projects. That's right. a common item um, to revamp their house a bit for either just that they can stay there while they age or just to have it kind of refresh. And being strategic in that and saying, hey, we're having some good years, Go ahead and do it these years, kind of the, the taking the money out when things are high, and so you preserve the rest for the future. Versus if someone retires and all of a sudden the economy um, goes down, to say, okay, let's let's delay those a couple of years. There's a lot of flexibility that people don't always um, acknowledge how much that's going to impact their future. And when we kind of spell it out, say this is how this will impact your future, it becomes a, a real easy discussion. It is. It's an easy discussion. So. Anyway, there's a lot of information that we would like to be able to share with you on an individual basis, but listen, we have limited time in order to do this, and if you'd like to know more about what we do and how what, how we structure our clients' portfolios for the future and as they move yeah. through life, uh, give us a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Our first interview is always free. Uh, stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk about good ideas, bad ideas, right? Yep. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned. He can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Today we're talking about good idea, bad idea. This yard is kind sales. of interesting. I mean, you've gone through a list. I mean, we can, we can yeah, spend a lot of time a lot on of this. But good idea, bad idea. So we're going to start with yard sales. Okay. Um, a lot of people looking for extra cash, have extra stuff. A lot of people moving, want to get rid of it. So what do you do? Um, Has anybody, I'm sure a lot of our listening audiences have tried yard sales. Yeah. And, and of course, there's yard sales all the time. I know people that uh, they make it a habit every Saturday morning to drive around and look for the signs and go in and buy stuff. 
and some of it's for personal use. A lot of it is for what they, they do for charitable work, mm. they, they, for filming households and yeah. people that are going through hard times and things like that. Yeah, yeah. or we sell it on eBay. I'm sure there's people who do that, who are treasure hunting. But the question is, you, know, you have extra stuff in your garage. You want to deal with right. it. Is the yard sale a good idea, bad idea? I mean, I, I had a yard sale not too long ago because we moved. And I was amazed that we were out there all day long um, selling stuff and... Uh, I, at the end of the day, I don't. I don't know. We made a hundred dollars, and you made a lot of good friends, though, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> all, all the people stopping by, um, and, and so the the value of the actual yard sale, I would say, was minimal. Because before the yard sale, we had put things on um, OfferUp or uh, Facebook Marketplace, some of these other online things, and the bigger items, you know, the the dresser, or the table, those people had come and picked up. Right. So we had sold them for you know twenty bucks, thirty bucks. It, you know, we weren't making a huge amount of money, but they were moving. But then we got left to all the random things. So we had a yard sale. And uh, looking back, I don't know that I would do it again. So, you know, good idea, bad idea. We'll, we'll have to get a label on it later. But, but the alternative is, what else do you do with it? You know, I, I didn't want to take it to just the dump. I didn't want to just yeah, throw I it do. away. I hate, I hate throwing stuff away. I mean, we live in this uh, society where everything is just easily disposable. And I, it drives me crazy growing up the background that I have, you mm -hmm. just didn't throw anything away uh, in, in the area that I grew up. So it's hard for me. I mean, it's ingrained in me to keep things and reuse it, repurpose it as yep. much as you possibly can. Yep. So one repurpose for a lot of this stuff is donation. Right. Um, and, and a lot of people think, oh, I'll just take it to the Goodwill. I'll take it to Salvation Army. I'll take it to you know some other charitable place that will accept household goods. Right. Right. And that's, that's step one. You, know, you get it in a bag and you, you drop it off. But we have a number of folks who get, then get to tax time. And they have their little ticket, and it says, I dropped off three bags. And they go to do your taxes through TurboTax or with their tax advisor. And three bags doesn't really cut it. You know, that's not what the IRS is looking for, is three bags. <laughs> They're looking for a little bit more detail. Oh, than yeah, that. a lot more. And, and the benefit is, you know, a little bit of foresight is, you know, say you have stuff you want to get rid of. You realize, okay, I could sell it. I sold what I could. I don't want to hold a yard sale. Time to donate it. Itemizing, itemizing, itemizing it out is really the way to go, and that may not. And that is not something you do at the time you do yes. your taxes, because now the bag is gone. You have no idea. It's, it's as you put it in the bag, and the itemizing you need is simply four women's shirts, three men's pants, two pairs of socks, or wh whatever it is. There's an IRS schedule. You can get that. It's updated. There's several different sites that will provide it to you. Yeah, the Goodwill is, even has their own version. The Goodwill has one. There's right. a few companies that have these schedules, and these these show valuation, and it's not just one number, let's say for a man's pair of pants, it is they grade it. So if the pair of pants are in poor condition or fair condition or excellent condition, they will give you a different value for that. Yep. Now it takes some discipline because before you throw it in the yeah. bag, you have to write down all the items that you have in right. your bag. And, and that's the moment to do it. And that's the hard part right. is a lot of people throw it in the bag and they drop it off. And then when it comes to tax time, they're either going to sell themselves short of not getting the full value. Right. Or they're just going to estimate without any proof, which is problematic if the IRS ever comes asking. And so to do it at that time, it's fairly easy. You know, just keep a little notepad. You know, I have this much in this bag, this much in this bag. And then you attach that or fill it out with the little tickets they give you, and you, and you keep that. So that's part of it. The other aspect I kind of want to bring up is the, the community aspect, which you mentioned. Community uh, yard sale? Yeah, we've had yard sales, and neighbors stop by. But it's always kind of weird, neighbors, you know, digging through Doing your through junk. Yeah, seeing if they want to give you a dollar for whatever it may be. <laughs> Um, but my family, when we moved uh, not too long ago, we'd been there for a number of months, we actually had a uh, lemonade stand. But it wasn't for on the street corner. It was just for our neighborhood. So we went the night before and passed out little flyers in everyone's mailboxes, maybe 20 flyers up and down the street, and then had a lemonade stand. It was fantastic. But it was but it was a lemonade stand for a, 
a particular charity. It was, yeah, we we're doing uh, for so my people, daughter's school. People really felt like, okay, we're going to put in a dollar, five dollars, yep. whatever, to help that charity. Yep, and they so they came in and you know small donation that was all going to charity. And next time we do it, we may just do it for free because the the, the neighborhood value was fantastic. We had a lot of neighbors who just walked down the street. Hung out for 10, 20 minutes. I think that's Other great. neighbors. We just talked with them, got to know a lot of them. We'd met them all before. We got to know them a little bit. And it was just building some community aspect without them digging through our <laughs> junk and trying to negotiate with your neighbor whether you want to spend a dollar for a set of skis or something. And probably, probably the, the benefit for the time that you've used, you felt better about it. Yes, because significantly. You, first of all, you, you showed your children what what this volunteerism really looks like yep. and, and the benefit of it. And you allowed people to be extremely generous. Yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, if the yard sale we made a, around 100 bucks, I'd say for the uh, lemonade stand, we made a little bit over $100. Right. So able to donate that to the school. But the, the value of, I don't know, we're out there for maybe two, three hours. And we had a number of neighbors that, that swung by, meet them and chat with them and seeing neighbors talk to each other. Right. So, uh, you know, as you think about yard sales, I, I guess I would be in the camp of saying, bad idea, um, just because I don't see how the, the benefit of it. But maybe we'll talk about if you were to donate stuff and said, what, what is a dollar for dollar? What, I mean, what is the tax write-off that you're going to get? What is the bang for your buck? Again, I think that people that do this, uh, I hate to say the word professionally, but go around to all the different yard sales. And what they do is they pick up items. And in some cases, they bring it back and they resell it. Mm. They could do that. I think it's a lot of work. Um, there's other side of it. They collect and they buy things and they give it to other people that are in need. Or I think the most frustrating thing I've ever experienced is we hired this company to come in, you know, market all this stuff. And the amount of money they gave to us after they took their share and they did everything, I was appalled at how little mm. we got. In mm. fact, I, I still kind of it's it's kind of in the back of my mm. back of my mind. It's like, really, why did we even do this? Mm. We would have got far more benefit by giving all of this to charity and taking the write off that the government would allow you to do. Mm-hmm. In fact, my experience just this is kind of a, a personal note. When we redid our we remodeled our kitchen, I told the contractor said, make sure you don't bust up the kitchen cabinets. I said we kept all the cabinets. And then I had the contractor who was baking mm. the new kitchen cabinets give us an estimated value of that. And I took that to uh, Habitat for Humanity and got mm. a receipt for that, gave that to my CPA. Most people wouldn't even think about that yeah. as a good thing to do. Right. But so I think giving away is better than trying to sell. Yeah. But in that instance, if anything is over $500, you need an appraisal. Right. And so that's you know clothes and T-shirts. Those go in a bag, itemize it, give it to Goodwill, whomever. If it's a larger item... Right. You have to get it appraised, and that's that's a great use to say. My, your, I had to be creative because yeah. I had to think about who do you get to who's going to appraise right. this. But someone who is a cabinet maker who's actively right. installing cabinets could give a good appraisal. And say, well, they're ten years old or twenty years old, and this is the condition. Right but then you have it, and you can go and donate it. Um, uh, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, you can leave it in the comments, um, and don't forget to subscribe for future episodes. Um, Till next week, folks. May you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California Life Insurance agent 
agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB.